And that is certainly a prayer that I have and um, have been praying and certainly will do tomorrow or Tuesday when we gather for our 4th of July picnic. Uh, hopefully when you gather for it too, you'll remember to be praying about that. That God would indeed bless America because America starts turning away from their wicked ways and towards goodness, beauty, and truth. Uh, when we did that, God blessed this nation in a lot of ways. And uh, it's important for us to give Him thanks for whatever blessings that we've received. I want to do that this morning too. Um, before I share, really my message isn't a message per se. It's more of uh, a prayer request that I have, something that God's put on my heart that I'm going to ask you to be praying about as well. And it's not just for today, but as I said, it's 10 years, so I've been thinking about this for a while now, and God's just laid it on my heart at this year number 10 for me, um, and, and uh, what that means for what He wants to do in ministry. Before I do that, though, I want to pass on to Grace Church. Many of you probably don't know uh, Reverend Dick Cole. He was a member here at this church. Um, he became the bishop of our denomination. Uh, Dick served in the military as well. Uh, I believe he was a chaplain in the military. Uh, he passed away yesterday. Um, his wife called me this morning before first service began to tell me that and to ask me to share it with Grace Church family because a number of people remember uh, Reverend Dick Cole and just uh, the wonderful man that he was, the, the excellent witness for Jesus he was, and the um, inspiring and servant leader he was uh, wherever he went, uh, and certainly a part of this denomination. So I want to pray for her family and um, just kind of use that as a way of saying, too, that we Grace Church has been here a long time before I got here, and, and men like Dick Cole and his wife Mary and, and their family are a part of why Grace Church is, is still here. And so it's important for us to, to recognize that, and, and I want to pray for them. Also, just want to pray for Beth Zappay. We've been praying for Beth. Um, she is started that radiation treatment on that tumor in her back that is cancerous, that uh, stems from lung, lung cancer that she was diagnosed with, as we've shared. She is going to start treatments for those, uh, for that as well. And uh, Beth was really trying to be here today. Uh, I saw her this past week, and she was hoping to try and be here. And just the amount of pain that she's experiencing, she's in. She probably knew how long-winded Ted would be, and she thought, you know what? Because I'm a wise person, maybe I should just stay home. Uh, so she had to do that, unfortunately, but I know she's watching uh, via live stream. And so I want to just pray for the Cole family, and I want to just keep praying for Beth. Please keep doing that for Beth. Uh, she does have good news in terms of the treatment that she's going to be on for the cancer. It's, it's positive, although it's spread different places. Uh, we are believing that through God's healing and uh, through modern medicine, God's going to heal her body and we'll keep praying that way. And so uh, before I begin, let's do that together. Uh, Father, we uh, come to you as a church family and uh, whether uh, we're here in this place today, and lots of people went away for the weekend, and um, they're still connected to us as a church family. Maybe they're watching uh, via live stream, Lord. And so we're, 
We're so grateful, God, that we can come to you at any point, at any moment, that you, the creator of all things, who spoke the world into existence, who sustains it to this very moment, is interested in us. Your word tells us that if I would have read Psalm 33 like I did this morning, we would have been reminded of that again. And God, we are so grateful. We don't deserve that, but we are so grateful that that's who you are. And we recognize as we sang together this morning that that is available to us because that cross ran red because of what Jesus did for us. And so, God, we come this morning just together as sinners in need of grace and say thank you for that grace. Forgive us, Lord, for where we have walked away, where we've strayed. And God, may you, as we heard in that, if we were know the, the song, America the Beautiful, mend our every flaw. God, thank you for the ministry that you gave Dick Cole as he served you in many capacities and Lord, one of those ways is serving our men and women in the armed services who uh, sacrifice a lot so that we can celebrate freedom that we have. Thank you for using Dick to take Jesus into those units, those platoons, those bases, those places that he went. Lord God, thank you for the leadership that he gave to Grace EC Church, the leadership he gave to this denomination. And Lord God, I'm thankful for the words that I know Dick heard when he was received into your arms, well done, good and faithful servant. God, I pray for Mary, his wife, and their whole family. Father, that you would just, as they mourn this relationship that they're missing, they celebrate the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And I know their whole family is doing that. Uh, just what a testament to his ministry, not just to so many people and to this country, uh, but to his own family as well. And so we pray for the Cole family, God, and thank you for his life and for his part here at Grace Church. Lord, we pray too for our sister Beth, who we know is in pain, and Father, we just pray, God, that you would touch her. Lord, as all of us together pray now for Beth, we just pray, Lord God, that you would bring healing to her body. We're thankful the radiation treatment has started. We pray, God, that it would eradicate that tumor, Lord, and that the treatment she's going to receive for the cancer would rid it from her body. And so, Lord, we lift up Beth to you. Uh, be with Ed, with, with Ed's dad, Ed, and his mom, Linda, who are there as well, uh, trying to provide care for her. And, God, we just lift up the Zapay family to you. God, thank you for all the families here today represented in this place, all those who couldn't make it, Lord, and just for the ways in which you desire to move here at Grace EC Church. And God, thank you. Thank you for this country in which we get to be a part of, the freedom that we had just to walk into this place, to celebrate, to worship you. Lord God, help us not take that for granted and do our part in ensuring that liberty is woven into the fabric of who we are. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. With the uh, time remaining, as I said, I want to share a prayer request with you. That's going to come through a story I'd like to tell you about a couple that I met in Croatia when I was there in May. Uh, so, as I said, some of you have been here longer than 10 years. Some of you have been here and started ministry kind of with me. 
Uh, maybe you've not been here all 10 years, but you came uh, a year later, and so you've been walking along with me for a while. Some of you have uh, just started, and uh, people can make it. They can endure Pastor Ted. There's proof here. Uh, so you can make it too. Uh, but God has certainly used these last 10 years in ways that I just give Him thanks for. Whatever's been accomplished is because of Him, um, and I'm just trying to be faithful to it. I had no clue what I was doing in 2013, never pastored a church in my life. Um, I guess I have a little bit of a clue now what I'm doing, but maybe some days it's like, what the heck is he doing? Uh, maybe that'll be today, because I'm going to share some with you like, Ted, or have you lost your mind? And uh, in some ways, maybe I have. But this past year, I went on this trip to Europe. First time I've gone on a trip to Europe as the director of Global Ministries, but also as the pastor of Grace EC Church. Uh, that's changed in the last 10 years as well. I'm doing these two different roles, and I get the blessing of seeing a lot of what God's doing all over planet Earth, and it's awesome. And I got a chance to see that in Europe, which I had not seen before, read a lot about it, talk to some missionaries who are there, but I was there this time. And this trip was different for me because I wasn't in charge of it. So I was not leading the trip. I didn't have to make sure everybody stayed alive. I didn't have to make sure everybody was in the right place at the right time. I didn't have to prepare five, eight different ser sermons for the time I was there, the training. I went there, somebody else was in charge, and I just got to observe. I got to see what God's doing, and I've got, I got to experience some of that, and I got to meet the people that he's doing it through. And so God took that, and this series in Acts for me, um, oh, by the way, Joe was a much, Joe Sikoski was a much younger man when I got to Grace Church. He just had a birthday. Uh, Joe, you're what, 55. Ten years ago, you were in your 40s. Happy birthday. You and I made it, buddy. Uh, Vince told me to do that just so you know. Vince wanted me to make sure I did that. So God took what I, was going on in Croatia, and he, he put on my heart, we've been going through this sermon series in Acts, and God's really been just using that to refresh my memory on what he loves to do. God loves to be encountered by people in real time. God doesn't just love us to read about it, he loves to keep doing it in real time. And God reminded me of that as I'm reading through Acts, as I'm sharing these stories with you, as I'm preaching it, God's doing something in my heart as well. And the, the phrase I shared with you, maybe the third sermon, I'm thinking, the question I had asked you is, what would it look like if the power and presence of God showed up today? What, what would that look like in your life, in the church's life? What would it look like in our community, in our state, in our county, in, in this country, if God decided to show his power and presence again? And so that phrase that I challenged you with, God challenged me with as well. I hadn't been thinking about that when I said, months ago, we're going to go through the book of Acts. 
But God took that, put it on my heart, and he took this trip to Europe and put that together. And so I'm using this 10-year anniversary that I'm having as my way of celebrating and thanking God for what he's doing in my rededication to his service. And I want to share that and do that through a story that I got to hear firsthand from Jonathan and Daniela and how God used that story when I came back from Europe for what I'm sharing with you today, something I shared with the ministry council. When I was in Europe, God was just working on my heart. As I said, it was different than the other trips because I actually had time to just sit, think, observe, and listen. And so I tried to use that trip to do that. Uh, God put people's names on my heart. Some of you I've already talked to about that. God put you in my heart there, and I think he did it for a reason, and I, and I told you why I think he did that. Some of you I've not spoken to yet, but you will be spoken to because God put you in my heart. God put Grace Church on my heart as well, and I just thought, okay, God, what do you want me to learn from this when I go back? And so I'm using this 10-year anniversary as the opportunity for what God put on my heart. And I got to hear firsthand one of those stories taken from the pages of Acts practically of the power and presence of God showing up. This is Jonathan and Daniela. Both of their stories are amazing and wonderful to hear on how they just came into ministry as a pastor and church planters. Uh, They also run a, a, a house called the House of Opportunity in Croatia. If you're in the foster program at 18, you get kicked off of all social services. Um, and if you're not in a home, uh, many people leave the home in which is they're being fostered in or in an orphanage of some kind. When you're 18, you get kicked out and you're, you've got nothing. They've started a ministry called the House of Opportunity where they take these 18-year-old, 19-year-old kids and they try and help them get integrated into society. They, they teach them things like, how do I write a resume? Uh, how do I interact with other people in a healthy way? Because they live in this house together. They have these shared meals. They teach them how to cook. They just teach them some basic things. And in the midst of all that, they also teach them about Jesus. So they run this house of opportunity, uh, and they're a pastor and church planter, And so if you've been in ministry, you know that means you're poor. You don't have a lot of money. That's basically what that means. And they live in a town called Virajdin, which is about 51 miles away from the capital city of Zagreb in Croatia. That's where uh, we stayed when I was there in Zagreb. Uh, But 51 miles away, there was an evangelical church that they planted in Virajden, Croatia. Now, the, the way that that church got planted is the story that I want to share with you, but just to give you a frame of reference of what's going on there, um, Croatia is predominantly Catholic, like 98% or more are Catholic, and so they have integrated their Catholicism into their identity as a nation, and so if you are a Croat, you are Catholic, Jonathan and Danielle are evangelical Christians. They believe that you need to 
confess faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and be born again. That's the kind of terminology we use in evangelicalism. It's, we take it from Jesus talking to Nicodemus and telling him you need to be born again. Your religion you were born into doesn't work. You can trace your ethnicity back to Abraham. Wonderful. That doesn't save you. Well, in Croatia, they trace it back to their Catholic roots. And so if you were to leave the Catholic Church in Croatia, in a lot of people's minds, you would stop being a Croat. Your identity is so intertwined with it. The only evangelical presence 51 miles outside of Zagreb is Varazdin, where they planted this church. So imagine you came to faith in Christ here in Schuylkillhaven and you wanted to start going to a church, an evangelical church that believes in the scriptures, that emphasizes our faith in Jesus, that teaches all the stuff we teach at Grace EC Church. You came to faith in Christ and you wanted to go to church in a church like that, you'd have to drive to Harrisburg to find the closest one. There's nothing in between here and Harrisburg. That's what it's like where they are in Croatia. And so they planted this church in Varazdin in Croatia. There was, I don't, I'm trying to remember the number. I can't, I'm getting old, you know, 10 years long. I'm, I'm getting older. I can't remember exactly the number. It's in the 30s or 40s, nothing larger than that. Maybe it was even less than that of this church that got started in Varazdin. They didn't have a church building like ours. They didn't have this structure like we have. They just go to different places, different places, constantly diff these different places. But God is bringing people to the church. He's adding to their number, kind of like what he did in the book of Acts. As they are sharing the good news in creative ways, Jonathan uh, is a musician, and so he's used music in a lot of ways to connect with people. He gave me his CD the problem is I don't speak Croatian, so I have no clue what he's saying, but it's good. It's still good. And so he's using this to make these connections with people and share Jesus with them. And so the church is growing, and they are searching for a place to call their own. A place like us, we do a lot of ministry here in this place. They were looking for that same thing. So if you remember in the United States, maybe it's still this way, finding a house was extremely difficult for the past three years. Maybe it's still difficult. In Croatia, multi multiply that by 10, and that's how hard it is to find property. So it's really difficult to find property. It's really difficult to find property that's going to be suitable for what they're trying to do. And it's really difficult to find property suitable for when you, what you want to do when you have zero dollars, when you have no money. And there's only about 30 of you or so who are trying to do this. And I got to listen to the story. Now the picture I have behind me is their church. It's not like ours. It's a building that's connected to other buildings. Uh, it's got some space outside where they can actually expand. And I walked through what they had been praying about years before. That if you would have said, in a couple years from now, a guy from two guys, there were three guys actually from America that came, are going to walk through the church where people are coming to faith. They would have been like, there's no way that's going to happen. We have nothing. How are we going to do that? And so I got to listen to the stories of how God did that in their lives, in the lives of their church. 
and they were trying to buy this, this property. And so there was deadlines. All right, you want this? Great. You need to show me that you want it by putting a down payment on it. And we've got nothing. How are we going to do that? You've got from this time to this time to give me that money and that down payment. And so they just start praying. God, we don't have it. We believe this is where you want us to do ministry in this town of Virajdin. We're going to need you to show up in some way. They're praying and praying. Uh, knock at the door. I don't know if it was literally a knock at the door. Someone shows up at the door and hands them $10,000 or euros, whatever it amounted to be. The exact amount they needed to put down on this property. They have no idea where it came from. It didn't come from them. They have no idea where it came from. It just showed up. That was one story of about five to ten that I heard of how God just did that in their church's life. And so as I'm, you know, I went there, I'd already started preaching out of the book of Acts, and I'm just thinking to myself, God, this is just what you love to do. And then they told a story about two young people in their church. I think it was two. It was one or two. I can't remember. Like I said, I'm old. Not as old as Joe, but I'm old. These two young people in their church, they decided to get a second job. They already did their other job. They got a second job, and they gave all their salary from that second job to the church. We're giving this to you. We want God to do what you say God's going to do, and we want to be a part of God doing that. You know how hard it is to get young people just to get a job right now? That's impossible. But with God, you can. Only you can. Some things only God can do. Stirred enough in these young people's hearts that said, we're actually going to get another job and we're going to give it all to the church. I'm walking through the building where that's happening. That's what those pictures represent. It represents the fact that, Ted, God's power and presence isn't just found in the book of Acts. Actually, it's right here. And he did it with these two people, and now everybody in that church, their faith is so much different than it was before they started that process. So much so that in between Zagreb and Virajden, where they are, they're planning another church. 51 miles is a long way to go to an evangelical church. So they prayed about the town, and I walked into that town where they'd like to plant a church. And again, they're looking for space to do it. And there's already a family there of, I think, seven or so that said, if you plant a church here, we will come. We have been looking for a place to help us grow in our faith. They've become evangelical Christians, and they make that distinction in Croatia. Actually, they make that distinction in a lot of Europe because there's a difference between being born into something and receiving forgiveness of sin and salvation in Christ and giving your life to Him. And so this tiny little church is now birthing another church. And I feel like I'm just reading the book of Acts and the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And so I come back from this trip hearing this story. It just, 
God just putting it in my heart. I'm thinking about this stuff. And I go to ministry council this past month, and we start talking about something that God laid on my heart. And this is my prayer for you and my prayer as well as the pastor of the church. And before I show the next slide, I I want you to know that what I'm about to say is not about money. Money's going to come up in my prayer request, but that's not what this is about. What God put on my heart is not about money. It's about him demonstrating exactly what he demonstrated in the book of Acts, exactly what he demonstrated in Croatia, exactly what he's demonstrating in Budapest, Hungary, exactly what I've seen when I was in Nepal and this Hindu country and people all over the place are coming to faith in Christ. And we built three new churches last year and there's another fellowship that just started and we'll build another church this year. It's happening all around us. This is about what God wants to do. I'm just asking us to be open to it. And so at ministry council, I shared this with them. God has just put on my heart that we need to do something as a church that demonstrates he wants to show up. And we need to do something that feels impossible. If you look behind me, that's the number that came to my heart and my mind. $100,000. I don't have $100,000. We don't have $100,000. In fact, I'll put a screen up. I'll put a slide up. You see it every single week. Maybe you just brush over it. We're even behind where we're supposed to be in our budget for this year. And so this is an impossible task. We're all experiencing this downturn in our economy, or at least we're afraid of a downturn in our economy. You wouldn't know it by all the jobs Chuck is going to or Mike Reifstein is going to, all the projects everybody's redoing their houses and stuff like that. But you watch the news. You talk with your friends. You experience it in your own family. Ted, this seems like the exact opposite time where you would bring something like this up. And that made me think God wants me to do it even more than I thought. Because we can't do that. Our church is not 30 people, but we're not that big. We aren't a huge church. That number represents a very difficult task, I think, for God. I'm not asking you to do anything right now other than pray. And I specifically wrote it this way on this slide because God does not need one dime from us. Not one. Ask God to bring $100,000 to Grace Church. We've been talking about ministry at this church and I'm praising God for 10 years and I'm praying that we'll be here 10 more years and beyond that. We do a lot of ministry out of this church. We just had a great week of vacation Bible school. We're doing a homeschooling co-op out of this church. There's lots of stuff we do out of this church. We've celebrated 50 years at this location not that long ago. But there's still things that need to be done at this church. Yeah, and that means we got to have money to do it. But I specifically wrote it this way because I am asking God to show up, to demonstrate to us, 
to do something in such a way that we can't do it ourselves, but we're going to have some stories to share about what God did. Now, that that might mean God does something in your heart and my heart. And I'll just tell you, since I've come back from Europe, since I've actually been doing this global ministries job, God has done something in my heart. In fact, since my wife and I went through, her name's Jess. I don't know why I said my wife and I, but that's Jessica over there. She's my wife. Since we've done the whole Dave Ramsey thing, and since I've been doing this director of global ministries thing, God has just done something in my heart that, that I've been saying, God, I just want to be a part of what you're doing. And I know you'll provide for me. And I know you'll provide for my family. He's been doing that for 10 years. The only reason I have money in my pocket is because of you. If you didn't know that at Grace Church, your offering supports myself And a year ago, you started supporting another person who felt called to ministry. We call him David, Brezina. And a year ago, we talked about this. This was another thing that was too big for us, two full-time salaries. But I don't have anything unless it comes from you. And my denominational job is the exact same way. I don't have anything because it's only churches that give to the GMC that pays my paycheck. Nothing else does. Ultimately, I know I have what I have because of God. And and I'm telling you that because this isn't just a job for me. These 10 years, we've been doing ministry together. I'm trying to follow Jesus the same way you are too. And so when God puts stuff on my heart to share with you, he's doing it with me first. I own nothing. That house that I live in, it's not mine. If you fired me tomorrow, I hope my mom and dad would take me in. Because I don't have anything. Now, I've been saving money, so obviously I'm not... I did go through Dave Ramsey. I told you that, so I'm saving. And when I went to Nepal and I was talking to Jenga, he's like, Ted, you and I are a lot, a lot alike. Not just because we're both short, but I don't own anything either. And you know what? I don't own anything either. It's all God's. This is not about money. It's about what God wants to do in building and growing our faith as a church. And it's not even just about our church. I think way bigger than Grace Church. The things we got to do within this culture, the challenges we face are insurmountable apart from Christ. The homeschool co-op that we're doing is not about doing something here at Grace Church. It's about what God wants to do in young people's lives. That's what it's about for me, and I'm just offering it to other people. And Jess is the one directing that. Jess left the job here at Grace Church, in which she received a paycheck for. Thank you for that, too. She's not getting that anymore. But this past fall, we 
were both praying about this, and we just sensed God was moving her to a different role. And you know she does a ton here at Grace Church. And I'm constantly fighting off little boys to get away from her. That's my wife, because they love her so much. But again, it's something that we sensed God was doing. This isn't just some kind of act for us. I'm not just punching a card, check in, check out. I actually think God wants to do this. And I think he wants to do it in bigger and greater ways than he already has. Acts chapter 12, verse 25, through chapter 14, verse 28, is Paul doing exactly what we are striving to do as Grace Church. And if you read that, I'm not going to read it for you. There's one verse I'm going to point out this morning, one verse. But if you read this passage, it's Paul and Barnabas starting their ministry, and what you see taking place is that God's power and presence isn't just for the Jews. Boy, did he show up in their life. Remember the book of Exodus? Just read all the Old Testament. Paul's saying, um, he's not just doing that for you guys. In fact, God's going to start doing that all over this planet. Yeah, even to the very ends of the earth. And so chapter 13 is basically a sermon by Paul. He's standing in a synagogue and he's preaching this message to a bunch of Jews. A bunch of Jews who he is trying to convey this idea that what God is doing is way bigger than you because he is reaching the Gentiles. Let me tell you the stories. And by Acts chapter 13 and 14, the Jews want nothing to do with him anymore. They're trying to kill him. They stone him at one point. And the whole ministry from, the, from Acts 14 to the end is about the Gentiles. But here's what Paul says in that message to all these Jews on what he wanted to do. He's quoting from the Old Testament passage, Habakkuk. It's an Old Testament prophet. It's called a minor prophet, not because he's not important. His scroll was just smaller than the rest. And he, he quotes in a setting like this where they're gathered together in a synagogue. We're in a church. He says, look, you scoffers, wonder and perish. He's talking about what God's doing. And people say, there's no way God's going to do that. There's no way God's going to do that. Now, in Habakkuk's day, he's talking about the Babylonians and using them to do something that he wanted to do. And the prophet was telling Israel that God's going to do it. Now Paul's repeating what the prophet told Israel, and he's telling Israel again. And he says, for I am going to do something, he's speaking about God, for I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. The God that you worship and serve came to earth. The Messiah hung on a cross. And he has provided salvation through that sacrifice, not just for you and your family and ancestors, but even for all Gentile nations. And that's the message I'm preaching to you today, is what Paul says. For I am going to do something in your days that you would never believe, even if someone told you. 
since I've been reading this, since God's been putting this on my heart, since I knew I was going to celebrate 10 years here, this is what God has been saying to me. This is what I'm telling you. What God is going to do, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. This slide behind me, you see every Sunday. Whether you know it or not, you see it every Sunday. If you get our emails newsletter, you see it every week. That represents our financial giving here at this church. There's only a little box right in that lobby that you can drop your offering into. Or, like me, because I like to have things, I make a budget now, thank you Dave Ramsey, I give weekly to the church, I do that online. You would have no clue if I'm doing that or not doing that, or how much I do. Nobody here has any clue what anybody's giving. In fact, you could walk in and out of these doors Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and never drop anything in that box, and I would have no idea, and nobody else would. That $100,000 I just shared with you, we talked about it at Ministry Council. That seems pretty impossible, and in fact, we're not even making budget. That year-to-date number here represents where we're at. You can see we're over $10,000 behind where we're supposed to be. The capital fund is where I'm saying we want to raise $100,000. Right there's five. This is better than starting from zero. We should not do this according to that slide. We should not do this according to all of the smart people that are predicting the economy. And maybe you feel like we shouldn't do this either, Ted. But what I'm asking God to do is show up. That's what I'm asking God to do. There's a little envelope out there that says capital fund on it. You've walked by it a hundred, maybe a thousand times since you've been a part of Grace Church. And it's that little envelope, that little fund, that little menu on our uh, giving page at Grace EC Church that I'm asking God to bring $100,000. In the next weeks and months ahead, you're going to hear about how we want to use that $100,000. There's things at this church that just, they need to be upgraded. They need to be updated. And we want to be able to do that. And if you're thinking, Ted, this is about money, you're just looking at it completely incorrectly. It is not about money because God doesn't need it. He doesn't need your money either, and he doesn't need mine. This is a spiritual thing that I believe God wants to do in these next 10 years, and my prayer is beyond. 1830 is the date where we are saying officially started the ministries of Grace Church. We've been around for a while. I told you last week, my prayer is that we're around for a much longer time. That number represents what I believe God wants to do to demonstrate his power and presence. And if you think we can't do it, great. Because then when it happens, all we'll have to say is, well, God moved. God did it. It's not just a story I read about or a story I heard Pastor Ted talk about, and it's not just a story that I heard Jonathan and Daniela tell, but it's a story that I'm going to tell when God decided to show up. Why use money? Money is the God of America. 
It's a false god. It's a terrible god. It enslaves people, this god of money, but that's what it is. You know, one of the key ways, Jesus talked about it, that you showed your devotion to God as a good Jew was your tithe. Now, we don't talk about that much at Grace Church. In fact, I've never done something like this in this way probably in the 10 years that I've been here. But I'm doing it in this way at this time because I'm telling you it's not about money. God has it. I'm just asking him to bring it. Now, God's already started doing something in my heart with regard to what I'm sharing with you. And I'm looking forward to the stories that I'm going to hear. I believe God wants to show up, that his power and presence wants to be known at this place, not just for this place. There's a community, there's a county, there's a nation that desperately needs Jesus. That's way too big for us to reach. So is the entire world. But read the book of Acts. So I shared with ministry council, I'll share with you, and I've made this my prayer, that God would bring $100,000 through that capital fund so that we might be able to prepare this building that he's been using, maybe not right at this location, but all over this town for years to come. When I played soccer, my coach used to say, as we were ending the first half, you have your halftime, and you're getting ready to take the field for the second half. My coach would say, leave it, out, leave it all out on the field. Whatever you've got left, do not bring anything off the field. Leave it all out there. So this 10-year mark is that for me. I don't know how many more years God's going to give me. I don't know how many more years you're going to give me. But I'm planning on leaving it all out in the field. I'm not taking anything with me. And you're here enduring this, but this is something I need to say to God publicly in front of you. Whatever I got left, it's all going to be on that field. I believe God wants to demonstrate his power and presence in this place, in this time. I'm asking you to start praying about that too. And we have a specific way that he can do that. It's not just general, it's specific. God, would you just show up in this way at this time and ask him what he wants you to do, but ultimately ask him what he wants to do. Ask God to bring $100,000 through that capital fund to do his will, to do his purposes. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for 10 years that you've blessed me with at this church, with these people. Some have been here a long time. Some are pretty new. Uh, but I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity to get to know them and their families and look forward to that going forward. And God, today I just uh, pray that you would demonstrate your power and presence in this place, in this time. And God, I'm praying that you would do that by bringing $100,000
or whatever you want to bring to this place. I have no time frame for it, Lord. You can do it in whatever way you want to do it. And a year from now, Lord God, we'll come back together and we'll kind of see what happened. Maybe we'll hear some stories. God, our, our finances are struggling right now. You know that. I know that. I, I look at it every single week. I probably look at it more than I should. But it represents something to me. And maybe this feels like the wrong time to do this. But I believe, God, it is what you put on my heart as the pastor. I shared it with our leaders at ministry council. And they said, Ted, share it and see what God does. So I did. So now, God, it's in your hands. God, you can use this to change lives. You can use this, I believe, God, to change more than just this church, but to change the world in which we inhabit. And I pray, God, that you would. Father, help us to remain faithful to the mission you have called us to. And God, with whatever time I have left at this church, breath in my lungs, I pledge to you that I will continue to take the name of Jesus wherever I go. I pray it in his name. Amen.